Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Sean Payton is back. Look at that turnaround in Denver. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers are back. It is Fantasy Sports Daily here on a Tuesday. Chance for us to hook up, have some fun, talk some sports. And anything else that may pop up. Ray Flowers, good to see you, sir. How you doing on this uh, Tuesday? I'm doing pretty good, Kyle. How are you? You're, you got I'm a little uh, pep in your step? I'm well. I'm well. I know everybody wants to complain about the Bills and, and how they – where's the love for the Broncos, Ray? Who else has beaten the Bills and the Chiefs in like the last three weeks? The Broncos – they're back, Ray. Let's give a little love and respect for that team. Yeah, and you know the we had high expectations at FantasyGuru.com that they'd have a strong season, and they started out in the toilet, and it looked pretty <laughs> similar to last year, right? Yeah. It didn't look much better with, than with Hackett, and you know we we talked about this heading into this game this week that you know they turned things around, they're starting to look good, they said the plan is starting to come together. And we saw them win a football game last night. Now, granted, the Bills made some mistakes, but still, they won the football game. And one team is trending up, and the other one's got a lot of people nervous about playoff aspirations at this point. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I maybe I should check this out. I, I would assume the Bills still have better odds to make the postseason, even though they're out of the postseason as of today. So are the Broncos. But the Bills' schedule, Ray, is is a, you know, it's a, it's a choppy affair. It's yep. rough. Like the next four weeks, what do they got? The Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys in the next four weeks. Third hardest the rest of the way, and however they determine that. Denver may have a better shot here. Now, I'm not predicting Denver makes it, but their next two games are at home. They've got a giant three-game road trip to the Texans, the Chargers, and the Lions, three playoff contenders. But then they get the Patriots and the Chargers at home. They go to Vegas. They've got a good as a shot, I think, as the Buffalo Bills do at this very moment. Yeah, and you know who would have thought that a couple of weeks ago? Again, we all thought it months ago, but a couple of weeks ago, and you know the, we've talked about this a lot here since we started the show already. The fact that you know the the line between winning and losing is pretty thin mm-hmm. in the NFL, and uh, once the coaching staff gets everyone buying in and things start rolling in the right direction, you can be a very competitive team. Well, they were competitive last night. A another last second field goal. The Broncos win it on the road in Buffalo. As we look ahead to the next 40 to 50 minutes or so, here is what is on the docket. A lot of Monday night football talk, and although I'm kind of focusing on the Broncos, yes, we'll be like everybody else and talk about the Bills and their struggles, and maybe is Josh Allen just an overrated guy at this point? We'll get Ray's thoughts on that. Got some other NFL news and notes, latest on injury. Sounds like T. Higgins may miss another week for the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, as we sit here on a Tuesday, many of you are getting set for some waiver wire bidding, waiver wire pickups. We will talk about some of the options there. And we will sneak in some NBA with our friend Justin Finsterman. We've got a a 10-game slate of NBA action tonight, which means uh, for the DFS player, it's a very busy night. Uh, Justin and his crew will be putting together some things over on the website today. He's going to join us for his weekly hello as well. And Ray Flowers uh, is still, still talking baseball. And in fact, Ray, what, your free agent... I'll call it a landing page for now. Your, your free agent page is up. It's ready. You're just waiting for some Major League Baseball free agents to sign on the dotted line right now. Yeah, it's a free article over at FantasyGuru.com. It's uh, basically, like Kyle said, a landing page for all the free agents. It'll tell you their name, where they ended up signing, 
uh, what their contract is, and then a brief little comment. Uh, as Kyle noted, it's sparse now. I mean, we're waiting for qualifying offers today and then for things to really get going. Uh, but it is up over there at the site. And, you know, for those people that want to see the pay content, they can always use the promo code FSD20 uh, for a 20% discount on any of our products, including the baseball product. I just looked up the odds over at DraftKings on their sports book. Buffalo is still a much better odds makers pick to make the postseason than is Denver. Right now, Buffalo is plus 200. I would suspect at the start of the season they were like minus 150. Uh, but they're now plus 200. Denver is plus 550. Just saying, crazy. You got the schedule. Half the season to go. Denver could do it. And you can get them at plus 550 right now. That, that's not bad at all when you look at a long shot bet. Um, okay, Ray, let's get into this Monday night game. A reminder, everybody, you can chime in with comments, thoughts, questions, any of that stuff. Just hit us up on the YouTube page as we come at you live, even Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I think, even as well. You can reach us on all those avenues as we go through the podcast here today. Uh, Ray, let's start with the Bills. You know, mistake after mistake after mistake. I think it was four turnovers. Uh, that pass interference at the end of the game, which gave the Broncos a chip shot. Uh, then they missed the chip shot at the buzzer, but the Bills made another mistake, had 12 guys on the field. It, it was such a sloppy affair. And, and that's kind of been the the, the problem with the Bills all season, like the offense, it's almost like they seem right, like, oh, we can turn it on whenever we want and we'll take care of business. Uh, we still have a really good defense that can cover up some of our mistakes. A, they don't have a really good defense. We've talked about that before. Injuries have kind of wiped out some of the depth and the uh, talent on that side of the football. And secondarily, Ray, um, they, they may still be a pretty good offense, but like mm -hmm. you look at last night, there are no numbers here. There is... Dalton Kincaid, and I guess you can make a cake for James Cook, who had a big run late. But overall, the fantasy player, they didn't get anything from Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis was quiet again. Josh Allen, not terrible. Uh, Fantasy-wise, he got you points. But in real life, Josh Allen in this offense, Ray, they're, they're just not working. And they haven't really worked for a majority of the season right now. Yeah, and it's really been weird. We've had a lie, at least, have had a long and winding road, obviously, with Josh Allen over the years. And you know, I think what we're really seeing is that a lot of the success the Bills have had is really Josh Allen. You know, we can talk about schemes, we can talk about players, all these things around, but really, you know, the, as Allen goes, the team goes. And, you know, when he struggles a little bit and turns the ball over, they have a hard time. I mean, last night, if you're a Bills fan, you have to kind of look at last night as a one-off. They had the ball like 23 minutes. Yeah. They had the four turnovers. Like, okay, things happen. Uh, you know, you had Gabe Davis dropping a ball near the goal line that went for a pick and you know, James Cook gets benched after he fumbles the ball early. So it was a rough evening. But the the Bills have become very stratified. They're one of these teams that you know what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is Josh Allen's going to score three touchdowns. One of them's going to go to Stephon Diggs and his 12 targets. And whoever the tight end is going to get a touchdown too. Like That's kind of <laughs> how this is breaking down on a weekly basis. And there's, you know, that you get the flash games. Shakir will have a nice game. Gabe Davis might have a nice game. But really, it's kind of just a handful of guys that we know to turn to. You know, this backfield's kind of confusing, Ray. I think every week throughout this year, we've looked at the box where we say, why is Lap Murray still getting work? Like, why is he still being used? And last night was even further in that direction because of the fumble that you mentioned. And it speaks to the trust or lack of trust. I guess this Bill's coaching staff has in a guy like James Cook. He, he has that mistake early, Ray. And, you know, if that happens to Derrick Henry or 
you know, if that happens even to like a Kenneth Walker or a James Conner, you know, those guys probably still get the work, but we're not getting that with James Cook. He disappeared for the entire first half. So Latavius Murray gets the work. He gets the touchdown. Now, again, Cook finished with over 100 yards. He had the big run late, which put the Bills in position for what we thought was going to be the game-winning touchdown. But so, so like, Cook has all the moments. He has the burst. He has pretty good success this year. But I guess it's not changing, man. Lap Murray is is going to be kind of a, a fly in the ointment, I guess, for the remainder of the season there in Buffalo. Yeah. The way they've operated all season long has been an interesting and a fascinating situation to follow because Murray has constantly been involved at the goal line. He's constantly been involved in the two-minute drill, uh, and he really hasn't done anything, right? He, he had a couple of you know games early where he flashed, and then he's vanished from the offense, but Every week he's at the goal line and every week he's in the two-minute offense. And so Cook has really been limited to getting all the work between the 20s, which keeps him fantasy viable, you know, has him as a low-end RB2 and that kind of thing. But last night, you know, when you make a fumble, when you have a fumble and your coach says, that's not good. Like, it's not like we didn't – usually when guys fumble, remember we had the the uh, Clyde Edwards, Edwards-Hilaire thing years ago. He fumbled the first carry he had in the NFL. And we're like, oh, my gosh, and went right back to him. And he had 1,000 yards in a good season. You know, the clearly the Bills, they're not sold on Cook being that guy, even though last night he still had more touches than Murray. He still went for over 100 yards of offense last night. Uh, you know, Murray did play more snaps. Murray did run more routes. They signed Leonard Fournette. So Cook is, you know, he he's not been involved enough at the goal line to look at him as much different than the, you know, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson's of the world, right? He's a guy you can start every week. You don't over, always get excited about it. In the end, more often than not, you're getting a top 25 performance. But last night has got to make you a little bit more concerned you've been at any point in the last, what, six weeks? Yeah, well, and, and Ray, Josh Allen is, I, I guess, one of the big talking points at, at this point coming out of that game because anytime a team disappoints, and Buffalo's in that category, they're 5-5, five and five, Fair or not, we, we look at the quarterback and, and we quote unquote blame him. You know, oh, the quarterback, he's making the and and on the flip side of the coin, when they're successful and they go 13 and four, we give a lot of credit to the quarterback. So so right now, Josh Allen is, you know, catching some heat, if you will. Mm-hmm. If you look at it from a fantasy perspective, I, I am looking at and, and again, not every league is exact scoring and so on and so forth. But I, I think this league I'm looking at is six points for passing touchdown. Ray number one. Josh Allen. Now, he's played every game. There hasn't been a bye week. I'm just looking at raw points. So I I realize it's not necessarily the the number one. But it speaks, Ray, for a fantasy player, he hasn't been bad this year, has he? I mean, the the real-life take on Josh Allen is, oh, he's he's having a bad year, and the Bills are having a bad year, and Josh Allen makes mistakes, and – Josh Allen's quote unquote overrated. I had a friend of mine send me that text last night. He's he's overrated. Again, we talk mostly about the fantasy world. Top of the heap. He's over 250 points uh, through 10 games. 25 points a week, Josh Allen. There, there's nothing to complain about for the fantasy owner of Josh Allen. Yeah, the league I'm looking at is 24 points a week. As you mentioned, they're all a little yeah. bit different. But it's four points more a week than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and, in, you know, that's in some leagues, you get four points for a passing touchdown. That's a full touchdown a week or 100 yards if it's 25 yards, you know, 25, you know, yards for, for point passing. So it's it's another one of those scenarios where it depends, like some leagues don't punish you at all for fumbles. Some do. 
some interceptions, it's minus one, some are minus two, some even good aggressive and go minus three. You know, it all depends. But in the end, you know, you drafted Josh Allen as the first or second quarterback off the board in the majority of leagues. He's performed right there. And this is one of those scenarios where I, and I, it's what I try to write about it, like on the coffin corner each week on Fridays over at fantasyguru.com. I try to point out that, look, you might be disappointed in this guy or maybe he's not as good as you hoped he would be. But if you actually look at the numbers, everyone is so down across the league. Offense is so pulled back. Scoring is so pulled back that even if Josh Allen isn't at the height you expected, he's still the number one guy. So what are you complaining mm-hmm. about? Yeah, he's been fine. And again, so, you know, we always talk about, uh, I think I said this with Deshaun Watson yesterday. You're going to hear a lot of people, oh, Deshaun Watson's back. He looks so good in the second half. Cleveland got that win against Baltimore. It's like, no, don't pay attention to that. He didn't look that good. And you're going to hear stuff about Josh Allen. Oh, the Bills are a disaster. And Josh Allen, oh, he's got to wear this, you know, five and five. What's Allen thinking? And again, that, that's fine, but you must separate what's going on with SportsCenter and with Talking Heads from what's going on with our talking heads. Because again, fantasy-wise, the dude is fine. Totally fine. Yeah. You do not fall for this. And, and I'm not saying it's incorrect what they're saying about Alan. The criticisms are probably fair for the most part. The problem is, you know, taking that criticism and applying it to the fantasy world. On the flip side with Denver, Ray, a uh, couple of things to point out. You know, Russell Wilson gets the win and very efficient, accurate, all that stuff. But pretty ho-hum. There, there's not a whole lot of fantasy excitement there with Wilson. Cortland Sutton, I didn't realize this until they said seven touchdowns for Cortland Sutton. He is producing touchdowns. And Javante Williams, Ray, appears to be locked in as the guy. I guess the Broncos are finally safe in saying, you're the dude, you're getting the work. Last night, 25 touches for Javante Williams. Yeah, and it's really, we've had a long and winding road with Javante Williams this season, have we not, at FantasyGuru.com, starting with him being named Roy Kent in the preseason as the guy everyone had to have. Then uh, gets hurt and waylaid that. And I, you know, I understand. And it's kind of like to me, very much like Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz started very slowly this season. His first three mm-hmm. games were like, yeah, I don't even think he had 10 points his first three games. And then all of a sudden, here we go 14 points, 15 points, 13 points week after week. It's taken Javante Williams a lot longer to get there than any of us anticipated. Okay. And I think some of that had to do with health. I think some of that was the coaching staff. Some of it was just happenstance. But we're seeing now what we expected to see from Williams all preseason. And that is a guy in an offense that's going to work, a guy in an offense that the running back position is going to produce points because Sean Payton's offense always has running backs produce points, and a guy that has a legitimate chance to be not just an every week starter, but a top 20 running back each week. And, you know, as bad as things have gone for Javante Williams, he missed a game. He's had a bye week. He had another week game where he scored four points. Javante Williams is right now running back 30. Okay. And I would be shocked if by the end of the season, he's not a top 25 running back, if not top 20, it's going to happen. And we're starting to see that emergence now. So those people, even if you've been frustrated and okay, I drafted him 13th at running back and he finishes the year 21, he's going to get better. And he's going to be on a lot of teams that have success in the fantasy playoffs. Big win for Denver, uh, four and five. Uh, Bills fall to five and five. Uh, big game now on week 11 that maybe we didn't expect. Uh, Denver's hosting Minnesota. Vikings come into town with a five-game winning streak. There's a chance that Justin Jefferson could be back, and uh, there's a chance that the Broncos could win, and they would improve to 500. And like I said, knocking on the door of the playoffs. So that'll actually be a big game uh, going into week 11. Uh, injuries, uh, Alexander Madison for that game, questionable. He's in concussion protocol, so we don't know if we're going to see him. We'll talk about the possibility of Ty Chandler in a bit. 
Um, other injury news uh, here on a Tuesday, just real quickly. Ray T. Higgins not looking good for Thursday, and that will probably pump up the bidding, wouldn't you think, on Tyler Boyd if he's available? And it may be a one-week play, but I, I, I think he's sitting out there in a lot of leagues, and people will probably be willing to spend money and maybe make him a flex or a wide receiver three play this weekend. Yeah, the, I guess the positive is with Boyd that he didn't have the game-winning catch, and oh yeah, by the way, he dropped the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> so there is some negativity there, and he didn't get the points from it. So it helps keep things in check a little bit. He still had a huge game over 100 yards. Um, I think that if Boyd is out there, there's there will be probably some aggressive spending. Uh, you have to understand though that you know T. Higgins, who's had what is shaping up to be a lost season, he could change that down the stretch. Uh, when he is back, he is a much more important piece of this offense than than Tyler Boyd. So mm-hmm. be cautious that you're not overspending on board. We're not hearing with Higgins. He's going to miss six weeks. The season's over, anything like that. Uh, when Higgins is back, Boyd you know, becomes more of a slot guy, an underneath guy who's you know catching five passes for 39 yards. So be cautious with the bidding, unless you got to win this week and you think he's the guy that gets you over the top and into the playoffs. And, and recall with Higgins and, and the news that he's out, they play on Thursday. So it's kind of a quick turnaround for Cincinnati. He obviously didn't play in week 10, so – Asking a bit too much to get him ready for this Thursday game against the Ravens. A couple of other things on the injury front. Uh, Michael Thomas, knee injury, hasn't had a great year. But, uh, boy, you look at New Orleans and and kind of Derek Carr. Where is he going to be at after the bye week? Uh, we do know Michael Thomas will not be returning after the bye week, at least for week 11. Uh, they are saying weeks is the designation on Michael Thomas who has a knee injury. So if you've been holding out faith for him, that's a pretty easy drop if you've still got him on your roster. Uh, Devin Achan is uh, designated for return by, for Miami. That now opens the 21-day window. Don't know if it's going to be this week. That might be pushing it a bit, uh, but hopefully by week 12, he can be back for the Dolphins. Uh, let's see, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett, both those guys are day-to-day. Deshaun Watson undergoing an MRI and some tests on his ankle. Does sound like the Rams expect Matthew Stafford to be their quarterback in week 11, which is obviously a relief. For the Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua owners out there. So that looks good. Uh, let's see, Ray. Baltimore. Everybody's wondering about that backfield situation. John Harbaugh did say yesterday, or admitted yesterday, gave in yesterday. Yes, we want to get Keaton Mitchell more work. Which sounds great, Ray. I, You and I both, I think everybody scratches their head on this, Ray, when it's like, you have the ability in the game. You call the plays. Get him the, you call the plays. <laughs> <laughs> you decide the, the formations and the personnel. Like, that's on you, Harbaugh, and the rest. So he says he wants to get more for Mitchell. Uh, again, this past week was four touches. It, it is not difficult to get him more. It's just the big question, Ray, is what is more? And is that going to be more than 10 touches? Until I see it, I... I can't sit here and say consistently the guy is good for more than 10 touches. Yeah, he'll get more this week. He better, but it's no guarantee with this guy. He played 13 snaps and touched the ball four times, so it wouldn't take a hell of a lot to get him the ball more or on the field more. I think last night's game, in my mind, is kind of instructive here. We have have two things going on. We have A-Chan going bonkers, right? And so everyone remembers that, and they think that Keaton Mitchell can become A-Chan, right? That's what people are thinking. They forgot the guy who played last night, Jaleel McLaughlin, who everyone in the world needed to have. And Jaleel McLaughlin's, what does he do? Nothing. And I think he's a very similar type of player to Mitchell, undersized guy who they like to get the ball to more, but he's not the goal line back. Mitchell's not the goal line back. He's not going to be the goal line back. 
He has to prove that he can do blitz pickup and that kind of thing to overcome Justice Hill for the two-minute drill role in the offense. And we'll see. And and maybe, again, you know, we've had this discussion. We had it yesterday. We had it last week. Uh, they can get Mitchell the ball more, and they probably should because this offense doesn't do anything through the air. And they can't throw for 240 yards in a game. They don't do anything through the air. You mentioned yesterday that Lamar Jackson is battling Tommy DeVito for touchdowns the last three weeks. So, yeah, get him the ball more. But, you know, yeah. getting the ball more, again, 13 snaps and four touches, that doesn't take a lot. And, and it's just not in the Ravens' MO. They they just they've been they've had success and they've done it with multiple running backs for yep. five six seven years now. Yep. So we we can keep hoping that it's going to be different, but the zebra's already shown us his stripes. What the Ravens do is what the Ravens do, you know, and and that's the same this year as it was in 2019 and, then and it works 2017. Yeah, it works. Yep. So I I wouldn't suspect it's changing. I could be wrong. But everybody who's making that bet on Mitchell, you're making a bet against history. So just wanted to put that out there. Uh, Mitchell obviously was a huge, huge ad on the waiver wire last week. Uh, Ray, looking ahead to this week, kind of surprising that 10 weeks in, we have like this many names that, that are like actively sought after and actively available in leagues. But like Ty Chandler and Devin Singletary and Tyler Boyd and Jalen Guyton, Jaden Reed. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Josh Dobbs. I mean, there's a lot of names available that kind of just popped up in the last three or four days. There are. Now, that does not mean that let's add these guys and they're going to carry us to a championship. But there, it is good to know that there are options. Still have bye weeks going on. Obviously, the injuries are piling up. It's nice to see players emerge. Then we have to decide, you know, what does that truly mean? I think the most intriguing ones are the backfield guys. Like we talked mm -hmm. yesterday on the show, if people missed it. They can always find it at the website or on YouTube, youtube.com slash at elite plus network. We talked about Brandon cooks uh, in detail. I think the backfield stuff to me is always, and I think it's the same way with you, Kyle. That's always the stuff that pops because we we've seen a shrinkage of elite play at the running back position and the field has gotten really tight. So when one of those guys goes down, potentially Alexander Madison with the head issue, and another guy potentially steps in, Tyson Chandler, mm -hmm. that player becomes very intriguing because, you know, just do what you did last week, kid, and you're a top 20 running back. So that, to me, is, is more intriguing versus the ancillary pieces at the wide receiver spot. Well, who's more intriguing between Chandler and Singletary? Who, who's who's your – because the Madison thing, um, I, I guess the question would be, even when he's back, is he back to be in the RB1? Right. I don't know. The question with Houston is Damian Pierce could be back this week. Is he the RB1? At the very least, it would appear on the surface to me that Singletary and Chandler are, let's say, everybody's healthy, everybody's back, and we're in week 13. Right. I, I think it'd have to be close to a split, mm -hmm. which, you know, that, that shouldn't make you feel ecstatic about Ty Chandler or ecstatic about Devin Singletary. I would just say that's kind of what you're dealing with is a split, and maybe Chandler could run away with it. You know, as we noted, Madison's kind of been a joker all season, mm -hmm. just hasn't figured it out. Um, hell, they went out and got, a, got Cam Akers, Ray. Who is I mean, that, that's a pretty good indication that the Vikings were looking for something besides Madison. So I, I think Singletary could 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 take over this gig, you know, maybe 60%. But I think Chandler probably has the better odds of taking over this gig when you look at a backfield job. Yeah, and I think it'll be really interesting because we, we have to – I would agree with you. I will say that at the start. I would prefer Chandler over Singletary. Singletary went for 30 carries, 150 yards, and a touchdown last time. 
That was his first game with 14 carries. That was his first touchdown this season. That was his first game with 60 rushing yards. He's caught like six passes in four games. Like, okay, that was that was great. Let's not chase that. Could he take over the backfield? Possible, but I see a split there with Pierce. We talked about that yesterday on the show too, that I still think Pierce is the short yardage goal line guy. Chandler to me is, is slightly more interesting, but we have Josh Dobbs at quarterbacks and we're not sure how the offense is really going to play out long-term with him versus Cousins. We're getting Justin Jefferson back maybe this week, next week, whatever. That changed the dynamic of the offense too. The legs that Dobbs has that allow him to be a fantasy option, allow him to pose issues for a defense, does that take away opportunities from Chandler in the running game? Or does the defense having to account for Dobbs allow more space for Chandler? I think it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of both. So I would favor Chandler over Singletary if I was going to the waiver wire this week. But both scenarios have, you know, almost as many this makes sense points as points that suggest there's need for trepidation here. How about Josh Dobbs? Um, now, if you're in a super flex or two QB league, he's gone. But Ray, if you're you're in a league that starts one QB, um, he might be available. I I tend to think you're bidding on a QB two. Right. But I think if if you're serious about Dobbs and you're looking for a backup, or maybe you're buying into the idea of oh, Josh Dobbs is a and hey, admittedly, he's got a lot of twenty or more plus performances this year. He's done really well on that front. So maybe you're saying, hey, this guy could be a QB1. Ray, I I would say for everybody, if you're looking at Dobbs, look at who your starting quarterback is or your most used quarterback and kind of see how the matchup set up and how the weeks set up, which is a little bit in the weeds, but we're now at a point in the season, Ray, to where you're making moves where it's on a week by week. What am I going to have in week 13, week 14, week 15? Like I, I I can sign off on the idea of a move like this, certainly at quarterback, where you're looking at the defenses they're playing by weeks, perhaps, you know, quick turnarounds from a Sunday to a Thursday, whatever it is, road games and the weather. Like if you're serious about Dobbs, you're probably thinking about spotting him as your starting quarterback in a few weeks or certain weeks. Look at how the schedules match up to see if he fits with your regular starter. Does he fit like schedule wise to be the guy you can put in on a Sunday? Yeah, I think that, you know, there we talked about this yesterday too, Sam Howell. Uh, I think that both guys are top 10 quarterbacks right now, right? And it's very logical to say, well, let's roll with these guys that are QB1. And maybe they get you there. Maybe they do. Jobs has been fantastic this year, given expectations, given the changes he's had to deal with on the field all the time. He's been fantastic. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago or whatever, his NFL career just got extended by six years. Like he's going to be around forever now. <laughs> um, but do, would I feel confident with him as my QB1? And the answer is no. Could he be a QB1? Yes. And this goes to the whole, you know, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson when he was young, this whole athletic quarterback thing where it's like, you know, the guy's completing 58% of his passes for 201 yards and whoopee-doo, but he ran for 67 yards and a touchdown. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, what we've seen from Dobbs a lot. Moderate passing totals, significant rushing totals. So I agree with you. I, I, If I have Dobbs on my team, I'd like to have a second quarterback. I know in most instances I don't want that, but if I had Dobbs, I'd like a second quarterback. There are certainly scenarios where Dobbs is a starter matchup-wise and based upon who else you have to go that week. I think the real fascinating thing for me amongst this whole Vikings thing, and I touched on it earlier, is what happens when Justin Jefferson is back. Mm -hmm. Because this offense now wants to throw the ball 30 times versus 40 times with Kirk Cousins. If Josh Dobbs throws it 12 times to Justin Jefferson, that doesn't look like 12 times from Kirk Cousins. The offense is going to be run differently now than it was 
with Jefferson. So people, I think out there, I still see in trades, like people are expecting Justin Jefferson to return to catch seven or eight passes for 120 yards every week. I don't know if that's going to be the case with how the offense is and Josh Dobbs under center now. In, in favor of Dobbs, the schedule's pretty nice the remainder of the season. Like Denver and Chicago are the next two games. Overall, those defenses shouldn't frighten you. Worth noting, week 13, Vikings bye. So e even if you're all in on Joshua Dobbs or you're in an emergency situation at QB, two weeks from now, you're going to need another QB. <laughs> so, so that's kind of a problem. The back five games, two against Detroit which I'm not really fearful of because those are games I think where Minnesota is going to have to match the Lions blow for blow. Uh, you've got Vegas, you've got the Bengals, you've got the Packers. So it's not a brutal stretch. Um, and there are some games that really profile well for Josh Dobbs. So again, if you're bidding, kind of see how it matches up with your QB. We got a question in the uh, chat room, Ray, from David uh, talking mm -hmm. about wide receivers. And I guess all four of these guys are available on his league's waiver wire. Uh, right. Noah Brown who's had back-to-back -back massive efforts, Rasheed Rice, George Pickens, who I get it. It's It's been ugly maybe the last few weeks, but Ray, that's a guy with like 300-yard efforts this season. Surprise, he's just been dropped. And then Romeo Dobbs of uh, Green Bay. So Brown, Rice, Pickens, Dobbs, PPR setup. Who, who's kind of your favorite of that crew? Yeah, I'll say this, that, you know, all in – all those players besides Brown were drafted in every league I'm in. So this is obviously a thinner league. So I think we're less concerned about what's this going to look like in week 14. I'd be looking more short-term because we're still going to be able to pivot away to a really good player if this short-term guy doesn't work. Uh, I said it yesterday, and there's a short over on the YouTube page. Again, youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. Kenny Pickett sucks. And it makes me really concerned that, you know, Pickens has floated in and out of the offense. We saw Deontay Johnson go from averaging, you know, nine catches and 90 yards to one catch last time out. So as great as Pickens is, if there are these options available, I don't know if he's the top guy because I think there's a lot of volatility there. Same with Dobbs. Um, Dobbs either scores a touchdown or has no value because Jordan Love wants to throw to everyone else on the team, even though Dobbs should be their number one wide receiver. So it's really down to Rice and Brown for me at short term. Uh, Brown's value is, I think, predicated on the health of Nico Collins. And Rasheed Rice is emerging, likely to become the number one receiver with the best quarterback in football. I think that I would go short-term Noah Brown. Long-term, I'd be leaning Ray Rice, uh, Rasheed Rice. Well, and, and you say, people might say, well, short-term, long-term. It's if, if I need a wide receiver in the here and now, mm -hmm. like this guy's going into my lineup, I agree with you. It's Noah Brown. But who may produce the most points over the course of the season? Are these guys instead like your fourth or fifth wide receiver? Mm -hmm. Maybe just go Rasheed Rice. You obviously bid on all of them, really. And, and, and I think sometimes we overlook that. I hope everybody understands when we say, oh, yeah, take that guy over. The, it's not saying don't bid or don't go after or put in waiver claims on the other three. So you need to just kind of order them. And that's why Ray kind of gave you the order there. Um, so, I mean, wide receivers, Ray, it's one of those games where Usually the guys we're chasing after in the waiver wire every week are guys coming off of a big Sunday. And you need to understand that, I, I get it, Noah Brown's had two straight weeks like that. But last week it was chasing last week. And hey, credit to him. He followed up with another big showing. But so often at wide receiver, if you are still on the waiver wire in week 11, you're a very inconsistent guy. Um, our things have gone bad at quarterback, a la George Pickens. So all of these guys, right, in reality, now maybe Noah Brown is a wide receiver three the rest of the year. There's a chance of that. 
But in reality, Ray, all of these guys should be considered like emergency or bye week or injury fill-ins, like wide receivers four and five, or if a matchup sets up well. None of these guys to me profiles like, wow, you get that guy and you've got your wide receiver three for every week for the remainder of the season. Well, I think it's different. Like I'm in a lot of 14 team leagues. If I had any of these guys as my wide receiver three, I'd feel pretty solid about it. Obviously, the fact that these four guys are on the waiver wire, we're not in a 14-team league. We're in a much smaller league or smaller roster sizes or whatever. And that was to my point that I, that I mentioned at the start. Um, I think I don't want to look on a week-to-week basis because I think that's problematic if you're just rolling through guys each week. But you know, look shorter term versus longer term because you have these viable options to turn to on, on the bench. I mean, on the waiver wire. And as you said, bid on all of them. They all could have big weeks. Uh, I think that, and I've said this previously, and I'll restate it here on the show. I think a lot of people do shallow leagues because they think it's easier or more fun. It's not. <laughs> it's really not. Because you end up, you know, going to this guy, to that guy, to this guy, to that guy. This guy scores 16. And you get pissed because you played this guy who had 12. And then you go to the guy who had 16. And then he has eight. And the guy you had 12 with went for 17. Try to pick a guy if you can. Uh, but yeah, it's tough when you're in a shallow league that you have all these options that always should be on a roster and you're trying to pick the right one each week. Last thing on the football side, uh, Chaka in the room has a trade question. Um, he has Wilson and Stafford as his QB. He's thinking about giving up Stafford, Rasheed Rice, and then either Najee Harris or Deontay Johnson for Sam Howell. No way. You don't throw in Najee or Deontay. No way. That, that, this is not a three for one. No. The two for one is okay but ray i'm not the biggest sam howell guy i know a lot of people love sam howell and i get it he's throwing a lot and the numbers have been pretty solid he can run a bit you are getting i i would argue an upgrade over matthew stafford by going to sam howell but have you answered the question at qb i don't know that you have you're still every week honestly you may lean howell but is he really a better bet than russ wilson or Matthew Stafford every week. So if I'm making this trade, hey, you got to believe in Hal. I don't. But it's a Stafford and Rice for Hal. This is not – I'm not giving up Najee instead of Rice. I'm not giving up Deontay Johnson. Now, I don't love giving up Rice either, but you're going to have to give up a second piece somewhere to probably get Sam Hal coming off the week he had. Mm-hmm. And of those three options, Ray, to me, I'm keeping Najee, I'm keeping Deontay, and, and Rice would be the most likely for me to include in that trade. I wouldn't do that trade to say what Kyle says. Uh, Chaka then mentions the guy with Hal has Burrow. If he has Burrow, why the hell does he want Stafford? Never going to yeah. play Stafford. You know, you might as well just go to the waiver wire and add, you know, Derek Carr when he's healthy or whatever. So, I I mean, you can offer something here. Uh, I think that Russell Wilson for a team that's ascending and moving in the right directions we talked about with the Broncos, I think, you know, right now he's the top 15 quarterback. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's done a hell of a lot to this point of the season. I think he could certainly be as viable as Stafford the rest of the way. So I don't mind trying to move Stafford and get something back, but that's not the right mix to, to make a trade in order to quote unquote, improve to Howell, who Kyle and I both stated numbers are there right now, but we both have some trepidation. Okay. There you go. Uh, fantasy sports daily, Kyle Alfred and Ray flowers hanging out with you again. Keep those comments and questions coming into the chat room. We're going to break away from the football for a bit on Tuesdays. We like to talk a little hoops. And of course we do it with our friend, Justin Finsterman, who covers all things DFS and season long when it comes to that over at FantasyGuru.com. Justin is uh, getting set for a busy night. Last night, I think there were four games tonight. We have 10 games. So, uh, Justin, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today, man? 
Good, good. Except that I have multiple appliances at home that are broken. So well, how much do you think that's going to cost me? Over, under, we'll set it at 700, guys. Okay. Well, well, you better do well in your props than tonight, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something else like, I need to improve in as well. Yeah. You used to have to like go to work to, to pay off those uh, fixes. Now you can just sit at home and gamble. It, it's kind of cool. Um, speaking of the tight, the 10 game slate, I know it's early and, and you're probably putting the column together and obviously you're going to be in discord and all that, but early on, what are you kind of looking at tonight from a DFS aspect? What are some maybe games that you're focusing on, or maybe even a player or two? I mean, Philly, Indiana is one we have to, because Philly's going to be in a nice little pace boost tonight. Indiana, they put up a lot of offense, but they also don't play a lot of defense as well. So we've got a few questionable guys as well, but Joel Embiid is where we start. And that's where I'm going to be looking also Tobias Harris, who has been absolutely giving us great returns. Now that we know James Harden isn't there anymore, it, we really have defined options on this team. The pieces that Philly got back in that trade more defensive pieces that can hit threes help stretch the floor but it gives their studs like maxi and harris and Embiid. it gives them even more firepower especially going into a pace of spot against a poor defensive team well let me follow up on maxi because because he had 50 um over the weekend um and and this is more out of the you know not a dfs specific this is like season long what is he season long tyrese maxi who Kind of, he's had an excellent start and has almost made people say, who cares about not having James Harden? We've got these other guys who are doing just as well. Yeah, he's been absolutely great, Kyle. And it comes down to the shooting, 50% from the field and over 43% from downtown as well. And what's funny is you think about the downtown shooting, which has been great. But at the same time, this guy is a fantastic driver, and having James Harden there last year limited him. Now we get to see Maxi be that certified number two option. He rebounds, plays assists. I look a lot, actually, when I'm looking at props. I look at his rebounds plus assists a lot, guys, and I remember the number I got versus Toronto a couple of weeks ago. And that was the one game that he didn't go over 10 rebounds plus assists. All the other games, he's going over it. And also, the guy is grabbing steals. He's blocking shots. He's doing absolutely everything right now. And it's been exciting to watch. Justin, let's talk about the Pistons, who have not done very well this year. Um, when you look at a DFS slate, how much are you factoring in the opponents of the Pistons and getting excited about the guys that are getting opportunity to face them? Well, Ray, I'm glad you brought this up because often when we look at these DFS slates, we look at those teams who are struggling and automatically want to go after them. But there's more to that than just looking at the team's record. The Pistons play at a somewhat slow pace, which works against a lot of the teams, especially those faster paced teams. But also they actually have sneaky good defense. They have very solid rebounders. Their rookie, Asar Thompson, is averaging over 10 per game. Same with Jalen Duran as well when he's healthy. And this is a team that definitely knows how to clog up the lane, and it causes the opposition to have to focus on more of a perimeter game in which they do have length on the perimeter as well. So remember that, everyone, when you're looking at these matchups and you're seeing a team that's not good record-wise, see how many points that they're letting up a game. That's something that's going to really hinder us and, or it's going to protect us against some of those studs that we can fade for higher prices when the pace is working against them. And especially when it's a front court player, we're not talking Giannis. Giannis is virtually matchup proof, but most other guys against that Pistons front court, they're going to have a tough time. So when it comes to DFS, don't automatically start stacking against the Pistons. They're one of those teams that they don't allow a lot of points. And that's a team that has a red flag that I don't always want to attack. Talking hoops with Fancy Sports, Justin Fensterman here on the show. And Justin, the Rockets started slowly, and then all of a sudden they can't lose. They're on their, their winning streak right now. 
Uh, who's been at the forefront of the success there? And, and what are we seeing fantasy-wise from some of those players? I mean, Alperin Shengun has been awesome to watch. And guys, I advise you to watch the Rockets. I know it hasn't been that appealing over the last few years, but they are fun. And this guy has a million moves to the basket. Kind of was talking to someone. He reminds me in a way of Nikola Vucevic when he first came into the league. You saw the footwork there. He also a good banger as well. So that's somebody there that's been very helpful, probably their most helpful piece. And then some of the other guys that have been helping, actually on the scoring front, Dylan Brooks and Jalen Green have been reliable. Dylan Brooks just has to learn to keep his mouth shut for the most part. He just talks too much <laughs> trash. But he they've been very reliable shooters. And Fred Van Vliet, who struggles shooting the basketball, is finally starting to put up some more offense. We've seen the Rockets, guys, in a few blowout games this year, and it's been a little bit confusing, and I really don't know why, but this team is able to keep leads, and I'm wondering now if we're going to start talking about them as maybe even avoiding the playing tournament. Ultimately, I think they end up there, but those are some of the guys I listed that have been very helpful, and that's why the other night when a game where I knew it was going to be closer, that's why I went with a Fred Van Vliet points assist prop there because I knew that that shot volume was going to be there. If we're looking at a blowout, he's not taking 10 shots and that's a problem. I was just looking at like the team rankings for the Rockets and like all of the rankings are pretty strong defensively, which you wouldn't expect, but, but they are offensively. They're pretty average with all this young talent they've brought in Uh three point percentage. They are top 10. Uh, so maybe they'll start taking more of those. And, and I bring up three points. Uh, because last night, I'm, I'm watching a bit of the, of the Celtics and the Knicks, Justin. And I know you were watching it. And and I'm seeing Sam Hauser. What do you have? Five threes last night. I think it's five straight games with at least three threes. He's got 21 in those five games. You know, he's a specialist. So I wonder, a three-point specialist, Sam Hauser or anybody else, are, are they worth having on your fantasy roster if they don't really do anything else but they can pop the three? They're worth keeping on a short leash. Duncan Robinson has never been appealing, no matter how good the percentages are. And that's because, guys, and I explained this to you in draft season as well, you can make up for poor shooters from the free throw line or from the field later on in your draft. Maybe getting someone that can help you out in multiple categories, but someone who just scores one category might not see 20 minutes unless the Celtics are in a double-digit game. That really takes away the appeal. So if you do add Sam Hauser, and I'm focusing more on the deeper league players now, just make sure you keep him on somewhat of a short leash because if we don't see the 20 minutes, then yeah, he could come in and he can knock down a few threes, but he can also end up with zero as well if he has an oath for three night, and that's all that we see of him. So I wish we had another category where he was consistently producing. I'm hoping that the rebounding were onto something with that. Then the appeal goes up, but right now, like you said, Kyle, mainly a specialist the guy is, and we're not seeing 20 minutes from him every night. Justin, Cam Thomas has got an ankle issue. He's going to be out of the lineup for a while here for the Nets. Who steps up uh, and, and takes over the, at least the shot volume and, and you know potentially adds some value in the fantasy space with Thomas out of the mix? Man, we're talking a lot of shots now to go around here. And Cameron Johnson actually just came back. He's a guy that really likes to shoot, and he's going to start taking more shots. Lonnie Walker, the fourth, has bailed out the Nets so many times. They've had a few guard injuries this year, and he's bailed them out a lot. He's a little bit banged up right now, but still he's been ultra-reliable. And another guy that can come in maybe can give you a little bit more than a Sam Hauser. The percentage might not be as great as a Sam Hauser, but this is a guy who can produce – in multiple categories, and we know is a key backup cog 
on this team right now. And that's someone that we can rely on until Cam Thomas comes back. Once they're fully healthy, we have to be careful with some of these Nets utility players. And the reason I say that, Ben Simmons, yes, he's still a thing, but he has a decent amount of time with the ball, and that's going to take away from these other guards because at times we'll be lining up at the four, we'll be hanging out at the elbow, especially on the defensive end. Other times, though, he'll be hanging out with the ball, with the perimeter, with no intention to shoot. A couple of more things for you, Justin, then we'll let you run. And both deal with the DFS slate tonight. Um, you know, every night you go there to, to DraftKings or FanDuel, wherever, you're going to see some guys with an injury tag or a questionable tag. Um, so this is not rare, but tonight we have Embiid, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, LeBron, Trey Young. These are all very expensive players. Are any of those really concerning in terms of missing tonight? So the from what I've gathered, so Trey Young, he's not going to play. He's dealing with a personal matter. Of the okay. remaining questionable guys, it was actually just announced, though, in the last, I want to say, 20 minutes or so. Out of all the other guys, I mean, Anthony Davis is right now listed as probable, so he should be going. LeBron James is the one that I'm concerned with. I mean, getting tagged yesterday, not a good sign. So if there's any of these other guys that I'm thinking has the best chance to be out, it is LeBron James. But I just want to warn you guys and everybody else, we had De'Aaron Fox in a four-game slate yesterday as doubtful, doubtful for most of the game, most of the day. Did I still write him up? Yes, I did still write him up, even as doubtful. And that was because I saw him go through morning shoot-around without any kind of restriction at all. So we have to just remember that doubtful tags, where in football you see yeah. them as doubtful and there's a 98% chance they're not playing. In basketball, a <laughs> doubtful tag is more, let's say, 65% that they're not playing. Yeah, and with LeBron, uh, that's last tip-off of the night, 10 Right. Uh, the tip off there against the Grizzlies. And then one last thing. Um, heck, this game's on TNT tonight, 7.30, Oklahoma City and San Antonio. And it's kind of cool to have this one on national TV. Wimbenyama against Chet Holmgren. couple of uh, soda straws going up against each other. Uh, we, we've talked about Wimbenyama. And, and it's fun. It's exciting. He does fun things. It's, it's cool. What about Chet Holmgren? You know, he's he was supposed to play last year. He was injured, didn't play. So this is indeed his rookie season. Both these guys are in the same division. Both are very lanky, tall, kind of, you know, unique talents who can bring the ball up the floor or do all this stuff. How has Holmgren looked in his first go around here over the first few weeks? You know, it's, I've been watching him because I've been watching his props a lot. And I was worried in the first few games that he was setting up kind of like with Wembenyama as well, setting up too much at the yard. Come on, play in the paint. You're big guys. Just do what you can do and stop with the floor stretching. But then we've seen him attack a little bit more. I like the offensive game from Chet Holmgren. Defensively, he's blocking over two shots a game. Here's the problem. And again, this is what you get when I'm focusing on props with these guys. When you need that one or two rebounds or that final basket with the clock winding down, his hands, guys, for some reason, the ball comes down and he's bobbling it everywhere. And I don't understand why. I mean, I think it's just nerves. I really do. I remember when I was first in Little League, I have a photographic memory. I did the same thing. Rebound would come down, I'd bobble it. And then I became known as a rebounder. He's got to just get his sea legs under him, and he's just got to be able to protect the ball. And part of that is watching the ball. I know it's not baseball, Ray. Watching the ball hit his hands and not looking the other way where the ball goes through his hands. And it hey, still happens to Keenan Allen. Or, I mean, Mike Evans. And, and Mike Tyler Evans, Moore. These guys are still Tyler driving. Boy. It drives me insane. And Ani Streeter and I, who does a lot of soccer for Fantasy Guru, we're, we're 
messaging each other like, you got to be kidding me. He's got rebound. Nobody else in sight. It's going through his hands. I think that will improve over time, and you'll see those. Wait, rebounding hand-eye coordination isn't necessarily. He's a big man. He rebounds <laughs> like what he needs to do. I know. This Thunder know. team, we talked about them in at nauseum. Very exciting team. But the main problem with the Thunder last year was inside depth and being able to turn teams with a good defensive front away, a good offensive front away. This guy's got to be able to grab rebounds and not have them bounce off his foot and go through his hands. And part of that, kind of like baseball, you watch the ball hit the bat, watch the ball hit your hands. Yep. You got the 10-game slate tonight, DFS column going out, Discord, all that. Also, MVP hoops package. Uh, that's yeah. available for people who are looking for like the season, right? For, from you guys. Absolutely. And it's not only the hoops package, you get just about everything else that you could think of there with MMA, NASCAR, you, you get everything in that package as well at FSD 20 with the promo code 20% off right there. Right, Ray? Did I get that right? <laughs> you got that right. There it Boom, is. Baby. That. That's <laughs> pretty working. Yes, no, but you know what? It's great, guys, and we got Watch Along Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, I spend pretty much the entire night in Discord just watching a couple of these games, not necessarily the nationally televised ones because everybody else is watching, but it's a way where we can all react together to all these games, what we're seeing, and that's what we're trying to do here this year, Fantasy Guru, watch more games. And with that, to bring it further, Got a podcast starting this week, boys. Fenstie's Basketball Diaries, where I write game notes while I'm watching these games. And I'm going to go over the game notes that I write. And I'm also going to focus on different teams every week. Starting it's going to be week. like a poetry jam. You're going to sit there and read your notes with a microphone and maybe a bourbon. You know, smoke a cigar. And, and Chet Holmgren, I love you, but your rebounding is very poo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Justin, a pleasure. Uh, have fun today, tomorrow, the week. We'll talk to you uh, in seven days. Okay, buddy? Guys, thank you so much for having me back on. He is our Hoops Maven, Justin Finsterman, hanging out with us to talk a little NBA. A few more minutes to go here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, we should note over at the site, uh, we mentioned that free agent column uh, that Ray, as, as signings happen, it's going to be updated. Uh, Ray, we did find out NL and AL Rookie of the Years yesterday. Uh, no real surprise, Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. And, and those were two very hyped players coming into this year. Sometimes we get random out of nowhere Rookie of the Years. Those were two guys that were favorites coming into the year, and those two guys certainly lived up to first-year expectations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gunnar Henderson with a strong overall offensive game. Started slowly, found his footing, uh, played defensively at a couple of positions too, which is, you know, we love to see the versatility anymore, right? We don't stick guys at one spot. Uh, he had a very strong season for a team in Baltimore that won more games and had more success than anyone anticipated this quickly. And then Corbin Carroll. I mean, Corbin Carroll almost went, you know, 30-50 as a rookie. I mean, this yeah. is, and he, I don't know, Kyle, I think he's smaller than you. Like, he is not a big dude. And, um, you know, you watch him play, he's got power, he's got blazing speed, he's a great defensive player. Uh, he's a first-round pick next year in, fa in, in fantasy leagues. And uh, we'll see if he runs into some of the Mike Trout situation where, you know, I think Trout went 30-49 as a rookie for his first full season. I uh, never quite got back to that combo of power and speed. We'll see uh, what Corbin Carroll does for a follow-up. Is Henderson first three rounds? Is he top 40, top 35, you think, in fantasy circles? I mean, it, with his approach at the plate, it's very reasonable to think his batting average will go up. Uh, he's got a little bit of speed. We saw him flash this year. He's certainly got the ability to hit 30 home runs. He will qualify at multiple positions. He's on a young and ascending team. He won Rookie of the Year. I think the answer to your question is yes, Kyle. 
More awards, uh, awards, I should say, coming out uh, each and every day this week, like Manager of the Year and Cy Young and MVP. So we'll talk about all those here um, on Fantasy Sports Daily. A couple of manager uh, jobs have been closed. Joe Espada will take over the Astros. He's been their bench coach for a while. And speaking of bench coaches, Pat Murphy taking over the Brewers. So, I mean, right, Joe Espada, Pat Murphy, the Mets new guy. We, we've got a bunch of dudes who, you know, they, they've been in baseball forever. Right. But they've never been the manager, and and they're. T- I mean, Milwaukee's a playoff team, Houston's a playoff team, the Mets are expected to be a playoff team, and all of them will be led by fresh managers this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Brewer situation is fascinating, right? They they lose a guy that's been there and led the organization for years. He goes to a division rival, he gets paid a gazillion dollars, and we hire a bench guy. We'll see how that goes with the fans. I mean, it's good for the team and the the continuity there and all that, but they've got questions about Woodruff's health. They got questions about whether Burn sticks around. I wonder how much of a rebuild uh, they'll be dealing with there in Milwaukee. We'll see over the next couple of weeks and months. They probably saved six and a half to seven million dollars by not paying Craig Council. Right. I can't imagine Pat Murphy's making much over a million. Right. Uh, maybe that seven million will go to Corbin Burns. I maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, a couple of other quick notes on baseball. Um, Atlanta is thinking of moving Von Grissom to left field. Not really a spot in the infield for him, so maybe left field is his future. And Pittsburgh's uh, Johan Aviedo, who I get it, is not a household name, but 32 starts last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good ones, too. Um, Aviedo may need elbow surgery, so that's something to follow in the offseason. And then on the way out the door, Ray, we just got news within the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills have made a decision coming off of last night's upset loss, haven't they? Yeah, it's the coach's fault that guys can't catch passes. It's the coach's fault that guys can't hold on to the football. Uh, I guess it is the coach's fault that there's 12 guys on the field uh, for a kick. Uh, I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator's correct. fault. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's not his fault. But Ken Dorsey, the OC, has been fired. Joe Brady has been named the new offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback coach. So they're staying in-house here. Uh, Dorsey takes the downfall for a team, as we talked about earlier in the show. You know, Josh Allen's still the number one quarterback in fantasy. This team is still effective offensively. But there are a lot of whispers that the offense had grown a little stagnant. Um, they needed to do something to turn around the narrative that has everyone concerned. So Dorsey out, Joe Brady promoted. He's new OC for the Bills. And we we touched on the challenge facing the Bills with the upcoming schedule of uh, Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Dallas. This week, they're not playing any of those three teams, but they do have the challenge of the Jets' defense. That's so a tough one. That offense uh, will run into a uh, high-end defense coming up this weekend. We'll see how things work with the changing of the guard. Okay, tomorrow on FSD, uh, Ray and I will be back. Uh, we'll take our first look at some of the games and the matchups and the spreads and all that good stuff for week 11 of the upcoming season. Uh, maybe we'll sneak in a little hockey. Uh, we haven't talked much, so uh, maybe Jorge Pucks. i got to hit up with Jorge and maybe see if we can do some of that. Maybe we'll do a, a little extra football on the side. Maybe we'll get some baseball signings. We will see where the news takes us, but you know that we'll be here 11 a.m. Eastern, YouTube, x.com. Uh, Facebook.com, all of those spots. And of course, as always, uh, when we are done with the live podcast, it will very quickly uh, be filtered out to all the services. Ray takes care of that. It's very good at that. And we appreciate what Ray does there. Um, again, the uh, promo code FST, uh, 20, 20% off everything at fantasyguru.com. Ray, wonderful stuff. And uh, we'll meet back here in just about 23 hours. Okay. Thank you, Colin. I'm looking forward to that as always. Absolutely. We'll see you on Wednesday right here with Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.